Welcome to Daily Devotion with Ken Gurley. Devotions designed to inspire you on your daily walk with God. Each day we walk through the vital principles of the abundant life. Our Lord can do above and beyond all we ask or think. Here's your host, Ken Gurley. We live under an open heaven. As overcoming children of God, the skies are not brass above us. We can boldly come to the throne of grace, and God hears our prayers and answers our prayers. All this week on Daily Devotion, I want to dive into some of the powerful aspects of prayer and how to receive answered prayers. What hinders our prayers from being answered? Why don't our prayers reach heaven? It's a tough one when you consider it. Doesn't God know everything He does? But when it comes to prayers, giving audience to our requests, there's some filters that seemingly automatically limit our prayers. In fact, today on Daily Devotion, I want to discuss seven different ways that our prayers are restricted, are hindered from ever reaching God. And one thing is for sure, if our prayers don't reach heaven, then they're not going to be answered by heaven. So let's look at these seven hindrances to prayer. First of all, praying to impress others does not impress God. We see this in Matthew 6. Jesus said that the Pharisees prayed to be seen of men, not to be heard of God. We must be careful that our prayers are not in such a manner. Jesus said, get out of the public eye and call out to me. And the Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Be careful when you listen too closely to yourself praying. In fact, if you find yourself struggling to articulate, enunciate, and formulate words, then chances are you're talking to yourself and not to God. Because I read outside of the tomb of Lazarus, Jesus groaned in his spirit and then said, Thank you, Father, that you heard me pray. The prayer was a groan. A groan can reach the ears of God. An Abba Father, a simple childlike cry touches his heart. Or what about Simon Peter when he realized, I'm beginning to sink as he walked on the water, save me. And that urgent, desperate cry caused the Lord to extend a hand. You're not praying to others. You're calling on God. Here's the second hindrance. Unconfessed sin hinders our prayers. The 66th Psalm says it like this, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear. Your iniquities have separated you from God. Your sins have caused him to hide his face from you so that he will not hear. Isaiah 59, it's always been a debate. Does God hear the prayers of the wicked? You can find verses that say he does not. But then it seems he has selective hearing because he's always open to the sincere cry from the broken heart and those desiring repentance. But here's the rule, an abiding rule, John 9, God hears worshipers. This is difficult for us to absorb. God will hear the cry of sinners reaching out to him for mercy. But God will not hear people of faith 
who ignore the unconfessed sin in their own lives. And by the way, that includes the sin of self-righteousness. Because Peter said, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Unconfessed sin hinders God from hearing our prayers. That's why we're taught to pray, Father, forgive us this day. Yes. Here's the third hindrance. War in the home restricts our prayers. First Peter 3. In fact, it says here that if husbands and wives don't treat each other with respect, give honor as heirs of the grace of life, then their prayers are hindered. I dealt with a young man many years ago who was rebellious and defiant in his willfulness. His parents started praying that God would get a hold of his life. But here's a problem, folks. It doesn't happen all the time, but it does happen. How can you ask a child to be something that you are not yourself? He was rebellious and he came by it honestly because his parents were rebellious. It's easier to see in others what we refuse to see in ourselves. Maybe the answer for peace in the home is for those in the home to find peace in their own hearts. Then others will see it and will be affected. Don't let your interpersonal relationships hinder your prayers from being answered. Okay, I know that was a tough one. Here's number four. Impatience hinders heaven from hearing our prayers. Hebrews 6, in our patience, we possess our souls. Through faith and patience, the writer of Hebrews says, we inherit the promises. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Wait on God. Give him a chance. Our impatience, the give it to me now mindset. Our Lord, if you don't answer by a certain time, or God, I'm putting this fleece out before you that before sunset today, Folks, it's in the waiting that our will gets conformed to his will. Now, you're really not going to like this next one, but here we go. The fifth hindrance to answered prayer is stinginess. In Deuteronomy 28, on the edge of the promised land, blessings and cursings were pronounced upon Israel. If they did what God wanted, blessings. If they disobeyed, cursings. One of those curses is a sky of brass above us where prayers can't get through and prayers are not answered. Malachi said that if we don't put God first in our tithing, our giving, then we receive the cursing that our prayers are hindered. I'm not saying that heaven checks your giving record before answering prayer, but I can say this with all confidence that the three disciplines mentioned by Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, when you fast, when you pray, when you give, that if you pray and give and fast, you're going to be living on the blessed side. Don't get stingy with God. Don't let your prayers be hindered from reaching heaven. Here's the sixth hindrance to answered prayer. An unforgiving spirit, Matthew 5. You see, unforgiveness quenches the spirit of God in your life. Let me give you two scenarios. The first is when you pray, knowing that you've wronged another person. When you come to the altar, knowing you've offended someone, 
Your prayers will not be answered until you go and seek that person's forgiveness. Then, Matthew 5 says, your trip to the altar will be fruitful. The second area is when we refuse to forgive. How long should it take us to forgive someone? When David admitted his error to Nathan the prophet, immediately the prophet said, And the Lord hath put away your sin. How soon should we forgive? Immediately. I went to a funeral a while back. It was a a family member of one of our church members. The pastor who conducted the funeral intrigued me by what he said. He limited the people who spoke to two minutes each. He limited what they could say. In effect, he said this, now's not the time to make up for what should have been done and said while this person was alive. And even more curious, having been in a lot of funerals, he enforced the time limits and the content. Some of what we call grief or mourning is more aptly called regret. People refuse to forgive until it's too late to show that forgiveness. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, agree with your adversary quickly. Don't let the devil get an advantage over you. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 2, to whom you forgive anything, I forgive also. For if I forgave anything to whom I forgave it for your sakes, forgave I it in the person of Christ. Why? Lest Satan should get an advantage over us. We're not ignorant of his devices. The devil has a public agenda. It's to steal, kill, and destroy. But his private agenda is simply to keep you from forgiving others because God's grace is only sufficient as we show grace. As we forgive others, we find ourselves forgiven. Wow, that's the sixth hindrance. It's to make sure we're forgiving people. But the seventh hindrance, and I want to slow down and consider this one for a few moments, is our flesh. The Apostle Peter said in 1 Peter 2 that the lust of the flesh war against the soul. James, in introducing the subject of prayer in James 4, said that the source of quarrels and conflicts amongst godly people can be traced back to the lust of the flesh that war in our own members. I must admit, I... I'm going to be candid with you here today. I must admit that I've grown weary of the phrase prayer warrior because to some, not all, but to some, it's come to mean that we are going to get together and pray against this and pray against that rather than entertain the presence of the Lord. In those modes, we rebuke, we don't entreat. Our prayers sound fussy more fleshly motivated than spiritually motivated. Everybody who's not exactly like us and doesn't think like us, doesn't act like us, are sort of the targets in such prayer meetings. Prayer is so much more than that. I don't doubt, and I know for a fact, that we do engage in spiritual warfare in prayer. But sometimes we need to lay aside all of the shields and the swords and the armaments and come boldly into the throne of grace and find the power of prayer. The flesh hinders us. We had better make sure that we're not focusing on the flesh, 
because that flesh will hinder us in our prayers far more than the enemy ever will. God will not hear prayers when there's unconfessed sin, there's war in the home, there's stinginess, unforgiving spirit, or unbridled flesh. Those are the seven ways our prayers do not reach into heaven. Seven hindrances. Since praying to impress hinders our prayers, then let's pray in secret. Since unconfessed sin hinders our prayer, then quickly let's confess and put it on the altar. Since war in the home hinders our prayers, let's repent and work on those relationships. Since impatience hinders our prayers, let's commit. Oh, let's commit to wait on the Lord. Since stinginess hinders our prayers, let's make it right and go back and say, God, have I robbed you? What more can I do? Have I put my all on the altar? Since unforgiving spirits close off the heavens, let's forgive. Ask God forgiveness. Seek the forgiveness of others and extend the same. And since our flesh hinders our prayers, then let's go to God in prayer and fasting and mortify the deeds of the flesh. Let's put on the new man of the spirit and see what God can do. Two brothers had a heated argument. They both departed to their separate homes. At evening time, one brother heard a knock on his door. He opened and saw his brother. Oh, it's you. What do you want? The brother on the doorstep didn't reply. He just pointed over his shoulder toward the setting sun. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. And two brothers embraced. The sun is sinking. Clear out the obstructions to your prayer lives. Let's get prayers answered. Thank you for sharing in daily devotion with Ken Gurley. We pray this ministry has been a source of encouragement and strength to you. Please be mindful that your financial support enables us to meet with you each day. To give a donation or connect with us, visit our website at kengurley.com. There you will also find the latest books, podcasts, and resources. Blessed, 90 Days to Change Your World is Pastor Gurley's latest book. You can get your copy of this life-changing book at kengurley.com. May God's favor rest on you in every way until we meet again.